Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Murphy, and welcome to the premiere of The InDesigner, a podcast and more for graphic designers who are using or learning Adobe InDesign. The mission of this podcast is to provide information, instruction, and insight to the growing number of InDesigners out there who have made the wise choice to use this great application as their page layout software. This first podcast is audio only, but look for the next podcast, or the one after that at the latest, to be a video podcast with on-screen demonstrations of the techniques I'll be covering so that you can get the most out of them. Audio alone just won't cut it for the things I want everyone to learn, so look forward to longer episodes and larger download sizes. I'll do my best to be as efficient as possible with both. Let me kick off this installment by letting you know who I am and why I'm doing this. As I said, my name is Michael Murphy, and I'm a graphic designer with about 17 years in this business. I've worked in design studios, been a production manager, freelanced, and have designed logos, ads, posters, brochures, websites, and more. At the moment, I'm the art director for a monthly business-to-business magazine, and I'm preparing myself to take the Adobe Certified Expert exam in InDesign CS2. The first time I saw InDesign was a demo of version 1 at a conference back in 1999. I was impressed with its potential and hoped that Adobe might finally break Quark's stranglehold on the page layout software market. Adobe had a ways to go in both development and building of a customer base in the places that would make or break InDesign's future, ad agencies, publishing companies, and prepress houses. This was no easy task when you factor in the sizable investment most businesses had made in software, systems, training, and workflows with Quark's deeply entrenched Express product. I think I was drawn to this new program because my design career was in its infancy at the same time that desktop publishing, a term I've grown to hate and promise never to use again, was in its infancy. And I started using the Mac with all this PageMaker as my layout software. When the studio I worked for bought Quark Express, I recognized right away that it was a superior program in terms of functionality, but I hated using it. Working in PageMaker back then, for all its limitations, was like dancing a waltz. It was a very elegant program. Working in Express was more like that French dancing where the guy in the striped shirt with a cigarette violently flings the girl in the red dress around a smoky cafe. They're both technically dancing, but the latter, like Quark Express, was far more likely to leave you bruised and frustrated. With... No competition of any consequence, however, Quark became the industry standard, and like so many of you, I'm sure, I'd spend years working in it and wishing for something better. One of the constants in my career has been limited staff and even more limited budgets. Sound familiar to any of you? This has been a mixed blessing, but one I'm ultimately grateful for, because when you lack those two critical assets, you're left with only talent and, more important than that, resourcefulness. For me, the only way to get out from under the tedious, repetitive stuff was to take advantage of the tools and software available to me. This was the key to getting everything done and still considering myself a designer, not a production intermediary or text formatting drone, neither of which are what I got into this business to do. When a ticking clock and a pile of urgent work are your daily reality, and you are not willing to let that keep you from doing your best, you get resourceful. Anything that lets you achieve what you want without keeping you up all night is going to be your best design friend. The turning point for me making strides in my print work was actually the internet. Creating HTML exposed me to a world of tedium and repetition beyond anything I'd experienced in print. 
but the work still had to get done, so it was time to get resourceful. Web work did two things for me that have changed the way I work in print. First, it forced me to learn some applications that would ultimately have benefits well beyond HTML, and second, it opened up my brain to looking at the structure of information before it gets delivered, whether on a web page or in a print layout. These two things fired off a series of mental connections that revealed a potential savings of time and effort that would change the way I work and eliminate any fear of having to distill, organize, design, and present large amounts of information. The only stumbling block to realizing all of this potential work reduction was the tool at the end of the food chain, Quark Express. Now, to be fair, Express served me solidly for many years, but the glacial progress of the application's development, the reliance on expensive third-party extensions, the lack of logical and necessary functionality, and overall inelegance of the product would invariably be where my lofty productivity ambitions met their proverbial brick wall. InDesign has changed all of that, and become my design best friend. About a year ago, I switched my magazine over to InDesign from Quark Express. And guess what? I'm dancing the waltz again. My days of being flung around the smoky cafe are behind me, and if I never open up a Quark Express document again, that's fine by me. So, enough history and enough about me. Let me talk about you, my audience, and some assumptions I'm making about you. Assumptions have a tendency to backfire, so I'm putting mine out here up front. I want to make this as inclusive a podcast as possible. An important part of this whole endeavor is that I want this to be a two-way conversation. To support that, I've created a companion website and blog, theindesigner.com, and you're welcome to send your questions and comments to info at theindesigner.com. So, if you don't fit these assumptions, let me know by email or on the blog. I'll see what I can do. My assumptions about you, the audience, are 1. You're not looking for an out-of-the-package, detailed instruction on using InDesign because you've never seen or used the application before. There are manuals in the box that, and a wealth of books out there that do that. This podcast doesn't. 2. You're either using InDesign now and want to use it better, or you're a recent convert from Quark Express who wants to know what the hype is all about. This assumption means that you're familiar with a page layout application. This isn't a beginner's course. Of course, when I discuss a technique, I'll put it in context in case you haven't heard of it before, but I'll do it assuming that you don't need to be told what a text frame or a graphic frame is. And three, you're not intimidated by the technology you work with. You don't have to be a geek, but you have to be willing to embrace the idea that by knowing a few geeky things, you can master your software instead of letting your software be your master. What I'm trying to put out here is not so much quick tips. If so, I would have given you one by now for all your patient listening. But rather, big picture stuff that InDesign, usually in conjunction with some supporting applications you probably already have, makes possible. I want you to see the connections and potential of what I present to make real advances in how you work so that you can stop sweating the small stuff and free yourself up to be a designer. Remember that, the thing you got into this business for? So if you've ever had to figure out how to turn the boring Excel spreadsheet you've been given into a clearly organized and well-designed layout, or if you want to guarantee consistency and typographic standards on files that are touched by many hands other than your own, or if you would love to import 20 pages of text and have them completely formatted in the same instant that they're placed on the page, subscribe to this podcast. 
All that and more is lined up for you in the coming installments. So, if you sat through all this, you're really patient, and I thank you for that. So, you should walk away with at least one InDesign Insight. This is just a teaser, but it's one I can get across in the time we have left, and it's something you should be able to put to use right away. And here it goes. Take advantage of presets. There are several places in InDesign where you can save frequently used settings called presets. Three that come to mind right away and that you may have seen and never noticed are the new document dialog box, the print dialog box, and the export Adobe PDF dialog box. In all three of these, you can save any values you set to be used another time. Each of these dialog boxes has a Save Preset button and a pull-down list of available presets. Anything you save will be added to that pull-down menu and always available from that point on. Here are a couple of examples. Let's say you do a lot of 6x9 promotional postcards. Postcards are two-sided, so each document has two pages. The postcards will also bleed on all four sides. Maybe you have a quarter-inch safety area all the way around that you like to keep important information clear of in case of trimming errors at the printer. In this case, when you create a new document, it's going to be 9 inches wide by 6 inches high, have two pages in it, one for the front of the postcard, one for the back. It's going to have top, left, right, and bottom margins of one quarter inch and a bleed area on all four sides. You don't want to set it up as facing pages because there's no such thing as a spread on a two-sided postcard. That's more than a dozen values in various fields and checkboxes. Fifteen steps, to be exact, just to create the new document. Why would you ever want to do this more than once? Put in all of your values and click the Save Preset button. Give it a name, say 6x9 Postcard, and that's the last time you'll ever have to do that little task again. Next time you need to make a postcard, you just go to File, New, or Command-N on the Mac, Control-N on the PC, select 6x9 Postcard from the available options, and click OK. Done. 15 steps reduced to a mere 3. You just eliminated 80% of the work out of something as simple as creating a new document. Want more? Okay. Sticking with this theoretical postcard, let's say you ultimately need to send your printer a press-ready PDF with crop marks and bleed at high resolution. But before that, you need to distribute your design to several people for approval. These people won't know what crop marks are. They'll probably think the bleed is extra space they can jam more text into, and they certainly don't need a two-and-a-half megabyte PDF just to view it on screen. Just create two presets. The first time you make a proof, use optimization and compression settings and don't add bleed or crops. Save that setting and call it low-res proof. When you're ready to send the file out for print, make another preset with no downsampling, with bleed and crops, whatever your job dictates, and call it press-ready PDF. That's it. Next time you have to go through the approval to print cycle, you can just select press-ready PDF or low-res proof from the menu, and all of the appropriate settings are applied. Still not satisfied? Here's one more. You can even make presets for everyday printing from your office laser or inkjet printer. Got more than one printer? Print on more than one size of paper? Tired of forgetting which printer to select or what paper tray to print from or what orientation the page should be? Make a preset for each of those instances. You can have settings for specific printers, or for letter or tabloid-sized output, or for thumbnail layouts. Whatever your frequent printing needs dictate. Set them once, save them as a preset, and never set them again. Noticing a theme here? 
Repetitive work is better left to machines and software, so let them do it for you. Okay, that may be the quickest and least in-depth tip you'll ever get on this podcast, but hopefully you'll try it out and you'll see what a big time saver it can become in your day-to-day work. If you have a question about it, I'll be happy to answer them uh, in greater depth if you send me an email to info at theindesigner.com. Next week, get ready to dive deep into one of InDesign's greatest quark-killing features, nested style sheets. You may know what they are, but we're going to go well beyond the basics to demonstrate how this feature, for me, is worth every penny you or your company will pay for InDesign. This is Michael Murphy for the InDesigner Podcast. Thanks for listening.